podcast one production. From the inside with Peter Ricks. This is part three of Peter's conversation with member of 70s group Hush and more recently, composer, producer and sound designer, Les Gock. After the end of Hush, Les's mind moved immediately to what was to happen next in life. Being in a successful Australian band in the 70s didn't open as many doors as one would expect. Les needed to carve out his own path. It's a story that is equal parts about music and about one's own power to create personal change, a story that is just as relevant for today. So you, I, I get it. You, you know, you're out of work. Mm. You've been in a famous band, and now you're sitting at home, going right. I'm going to be a jingle writer. How'd you do that? Good question. Like uh, everything I've ever done, everything uh, has all been uh, made up as I go along. My guitar playing is made up as I go along. I mean, I didn't know I was going to be a guitar player. I just was mucking around in a, a band. I had and everything. I've never had a lesson. I just kind of learnt it. I just sort of did it. And the same with this. It's just like, well, okay. I, I always have the view that you know I've got two arms and two legs and a you know brain like everyone else. I should be able to do whatever anyone else does. Mm. So the jingle writing thing. I thought, okay, I know it's to do with advertising. So. Um, Coincidentally, one of the last photo shoots that we had was in somebody's house, and they happened to have uh, an ad news there, which is a, a kind of a bible of the uh, advertising business. And I flicked through it, and it just so happened to be a um, it had a list of every advertising agency and all their clients. I thought, oh, okay, no one's looking. I, I nick it. And I take it home and I go through and I go, oh, right, McCann, Erickson, I wonder who they are. Um, they have Coca-Cola and Levi's. They, they, look, they, they sound pretty good. Okay. And so, so I go through every single one of these things and I write on a, on a little um, uh, Corona, I think, typewriter. Mm. You know, one of these things. Dear sir, dear madam. Sir, dear sir, stroke madam. Uh, and, and I have... Um, a uh, what do you call it? Um, you know, paper uh, copy paper. Copy you know, paper. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so that you know, I have a copy's ability. And I write off. Um, you know, my name is Les Gock. Uh, I'm in a band called Hush. Um, and, and we've you know, been quite successful. Blah blah blah. Um, uh, and I noticed that you have Coca-Cola, Stroke, Levi's, whatever. And um, perhaps I could, um, you know, with uh, my youthful uh, vigor, yeah, that's right. Bring bring more energy to your product. Fifty of these letters. 50 different agencies. I had no idea who these people were. I just thought, I'd just shoot it out there. It's kind of like early version of um, uh, social, uh, social media, uh, but the hard way. Mm. Uh, you just sort of shoot it out there and see what the hell happens. And so, and but in those days, you, you know, lick the stamp, put it on, and put it in yeah. the letterbox and thing, and you have to wait. It, there's no instant um, response. You have to wait for people to receive the letter, then they have to be bothered to write back and so forth. So after like two weeks, three weeks or something, um, two letters come back, you know, and one of them says, great, you know, we'll, you know, we'll come in and we'll call, call up this number and make a meeting. That was Clemenger's. 
um, which is a big advertising agency. And then another one was uh, our friend Gary Murphy, um, who earlier on had who was the boy genius. And he said, yeah, great. So um, the first meeting at Clemens, I, I go there and um, I'm sitting there. Wow, advertising agency. This is pretty schmick. This yes. Is pretty, yeah, impressive. Much more luxurious offices than a record company. Mm. But typically, and it wouldn't be the, the, the last time that it would happen, that someone comes out and says, oh, right, who are you waiting for? Oh, you're waiting for, uh, you know, look, they're pretty busy today. Look, can you make another appointment, come back in a couple of weeks, maybe a month or so, you know. I go, oh, okay. Oh, that was pretty disappointing. Gary Murphy was different because yeah. Gary uh, had started his own agency and it was just him and, as he had told me uh, after this meeting, that uh, they'd been sitting there for six months with no clients, nothing, and if ever they had any meetings, their wives would have to go out and pretend that, like the place was busy and have to get coffee and all. They had nothing. Um, so he had time to see me. <laughs> So I went in there and he um, he said, look, we do have this, we're pitching on this one thing. It's a, like a, it's a sweatshirt. It's, they're called Crystal Cylinders. It's like a surfy brand and all that kind of stuff. Look, I don't know, maybe go away and see what you can come up with. with it. Anyway, I came back the next morning and I, I just wrote this thing and, and, and he said, wow, that's, that sounds pretty good. Anyway, so I'll, I'll put it to the clients. We'll see what happens. Anyway, they won the business and thing, and that was my first day. Mm. And then from there, Gary, because he was a boy genius, um, he knew the coolest people, the, the, the top people in the industry, like the best film directors, the best other young writers. He said, you should go and see Stan May or you should go and see Thing. You should go and see, you know, uh, you know. And he gave me a list of people to see. And he gave me two pieces of advice too. He said, whatever you do, do not leave uh, any advertising agency or, you know, if you get a brief, do not leave unless you get a purchase order. That's number one. And two, uh, he said, the most precious thing that you've got, the most precious thing you've got um, is time. So make sure you charge for it. Make sure, it, you know, uh, you value it the, the mm. right way. And I took those two pieces of advice very seriously. How hard was it then to, in building from that, yeah, the crystal cylinders job. Mm. How, how the journey to, from there to actually creating the business became Song Zoo, mm. ZU, um, and a studio. McMahon's point. It was that journey, um, which was really you and Margaret. Yeah. So everything is again learning on the job, um, but uh, giving yourself at least. Um, Look, the only advice I would now give is, and it's been the same all the way along the line, you have to, it doesn't matter what it is that you do, but certainly um, to build up a business, one, you have to decide whether you're going to devote yourself to it. I mean, if you're going to do it and you're going to make it a success, it is, you know, the weekends are really just two more working days before Monday. Um, you know, you you take whatever opportunities come up and I, I don't know how many, and I, I'll, I'll be, you know, uh, living with um, uh, uh, the pain of, uh, of this coming back to me um, you know, for the rest of my life, but the, I don't know how many holidays I've cancelled um, uh, because, oh, there's a job coming up. I think, okay, I can't go on this holiday. Uh, say what? <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, but it's uh, either you have that kind of ruthlessness and that, 
um, total focus. If that's what you, if this is what you want to achieve, that's really what you you've got to do. So, you grew up inside the the business of being in a band and making mm. records, mm. and then you you found a way to journey by still being a musician at the core. Mm. What what stops more people, more more musicians, bluntly, from evolving that way as well? Is it is it their inability to grasp the business of, it, of the game? Yeah, it's, it's, it's basically what it is. I, I've, I've had to uh, counsel my own children um, and I remember my eldest son um, in his HSC year saying, you know what, Dad, I don't think I need to do the HSC because uh, I just want to be in a band and all that. And I said, and I, so I had to um, think about what I was going to say here. And I, <laughs> So I said, "Look, that's fine. Look, if you want to, um, if you want to do that, that, that's great. But you do understand, you know, what it means to to make music your life, um, in, in terms of your business. Like, you either play music on the weekends with a few mates, have a few beers, you know, uh, meet a few girls, and have a great time, which is that's fun because it's there's no pressure. Mm. You mm. you do all that, um, but you're going to have to have another job." So you'll probably have to go to uni or whatever, to, you know, to get a proper job so that you can do this on the weekends. Or you do it for a living and you sort of go, no, this is, this is my business. Well, if you're going to do that, you're gonna, you do understand that you're going to probably enter into some sort of like limited partnership yeah. <laughs> with a bunch of other people. It's no different to if you, you, you and a few mates decide to open up a news agency or something. It's about as exciting as that. Um, you're going to have to, you know, um, pull together some capital. Uh, you're going to have to at least understand uh, these days, you know, contracts and all that kind of stuff. You'll have to have management. You'll have to think. It's a business. It's it's a business. That's basically all it is. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to go out there and play. That part of it might, you know, fun, that's great, that's terrific. But it's a business. Otherwise, you're just, you're just mucking around. You're just, you know, you're not really doing it seriously. So either way, you'll still have to go... You know, and, and study yeah. some more. And did he sit the HSC? He did sit the HSC, and he did go to Lismore Uni. Huh. Yeah. You again. I go back to this. In growing up through the business, have you kept that network from the days when you were in the band? And just the second part of this question is: How much did the the days in Hush help with the advertising? Forgive me, the jingle yeah. business. Yeah. Um, the second part is uh, not as much as you'd think because most people who I wrote uh, to um, weren't that aware of how they weren't, they weren't going, oh, my God, you're the guitar player from Hush. Oh, wow. Uh, it was like, uh, oh, well, you were in a band. Oh, yeah, well, I suppose that, you know, we can give you a go on this. They would have probably been more interested in Rory Gallagher. Probably, yeah. Yeah, something hipper. Uh, not that Rory was ever hip, but um, uh, no, most of it. Look, the um, I don't. I shouldn't undersell what I um, do naturally, which is um, I did uh, each gig that I would get. Um, I would look at it and I would understand somehow. The business behind it. Um, so if I, if we were, 
if I was given a Qantas brief, uh, I would look at it and I would think, okay, yes, we could put whatever song, pick a song, we'll just stick, you know, and create a piece of music behind it. But what makes one piece of music more relevant than another? And it's understanding what the brand is. And let's say, for instance, Qantas, it's, you know, it's the spirit of Australia. That's the only airline that can say, you know, they're Australian. Uh, so when we did the um, still call Australia Home stuff, um, uh, which was voted, you know, the most popular Australian ad in 50 years, um, it was simply understanding that they carry the pride of the country mm-hmm. uh, around the world. So it, it, once you understand that, then you then the music all falls in place. And so for every brand that I work on... But that's uh, strategy, though, isn't it? Sorry? It's strategy, but it's also you kind of... A lot of musicians just uh, are more about, oh, you tell me what to play or you tell me what you want. Oh, you want a reggae thing or you want a, you know, you mm. want... Um, you know. But, I mean, Peter Allen wrote that song and you know, <coughs> Paul Kelly writes extraordinary songs about Australia, all of which... Mm you imagine are exploitable, but there's a, is there a parallel in here that, that you think between the music side of things and, and an advertising, that, that world of advertising? Marketing, for want of a better word? Well, yes. I mean, the, the kind of area that I'm in now, which is what, what I call audio branding, is really just, uh, all it is is just understanding um, what I, well, all, all of us have known is this the power of music mm. uh, to influence people mm. and, and not in a kind of a, you know, uh, like uh, Joseph Mengele kind of <laughs> sinister way. No, but, of course. But, uh, but we've, we've understood that uh, we walk on a stage and we perf- play a piece of music or we, I, I, I put a piece of music behind uh, a bit of film or whatever and I know how how people are going to respond. I know how they're going to feel. I know if, if I want them to feel scared, I can do that. If I want people to feel proud, you know, uh, this is what I would do to do that, et cetera, et cetera. And the thing is that um, it's only now that, that there's been enough robust research into how and why these things happen. Um, and I, I've just come back from a, a couple of conferences in, in Europe where, you know, we're, we're being addressed by... Um, professors at uh, Oxford and Cornell and different things, where they've they're delving into how how why people respond to certain kinds of music and and what it does, and it's absolutely fascinating. Uh, not only just music, just sound, you know. So you didn't. Is there not a view that if you're successfully in a major recording outfit? That you've sort of worked out what you have to do to to Not display the emotions uh, that women, that men and women bring to the table. Well, well yes, but it's it's instinctive. Yeah, correct. Um, it's instinctive, and uh, there's um, uh, science does take a, a, a bit of the romance out of it. But um, yes, manipulation yeah. here. Liz. Yeah, that's right, exactly. Um, but if we did absolutely know the um, answer to it, of course, um, it, it would be we you know, we wouldn't be sitting we'll, here. Yeah, correct. Yeah. This is From the Inside with Peter Ricks, and this is part three of Peter's conversation with member of 70s group Hush and more recently composer, producer and sound designer Les Gock. In a moment, Les gives his tips on reinvention and building for a future alongside his passion for music that still continues. All right, so just back a little bit. Song Zoo became Hmm. 
forgive me, but a, an empire. Yeah. Giant. Mm. What happened? Why did you stop? Oh, okay. Oh, why did I stop? Well, okay. Well, I mean, be, being that without describing it, I'm sure you can. Yeah. It was a bloody big place in the No, end. it was a big place. It was the, the largest, certainly the largest uh, uh, music production uh, thing in Southeast Asia, mm. you know. Um, and, but the reason why, if we go back one step, the reason why the business was never called Les Gok Productions um, is because there was, uh, and, and the reason why I called it Song Zoo, which for two reasons. One, it again had that oriental thing. And I felt in the late 80s, uh, mid to late 80s, that the, the world would, would head towards, the China would be the, the dominant um, economy in the world. It didn't appear like that in the 80s. Uh, they were just, um, you know, still a communist country. There was nothing much there and all. But it was... Uh, I could see that it was changing and I thought, I want to be on the wave so that in 20 years' time, when this transpires, I'll, you know, I'll be part of that. And part of that was calling the business Song Zoo. So that was a strategy to, to do that. The second part of the strategy was, how do I get out of this business? Not because I hate it or not because of whatever, but there's got to be some, at some point... You want an exit plan. Exit plan. How do you monetize what you've created? Yeah. Um, because it's if you leave it too late, uh, then basically, you know, it, well, you can leave it. It is possible to leave it too late. So it was a plan, not not from the day we, I started Songzu, but from to say this is a part of the strategy to sort of... It's not Les Gok Productions because if it was... When Les Gok leaves the you know the uh, the house, then um, there's nothing, you know, what's left. the 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 reality is that when you, what I noticed with advertising agencies who were very clever at all this, the Ogilvy and Mathers and so forth, there's there's no, you don't call up and ask for Mr Ogilvy or Mr Mather, um, or Mr um, or Mr WPP, yeah, or Mr WPP or any of those things. Um, what what it is. And it's just between you and I. Of course. What it is is smoke and mirrors. Uh, what you do is you create a brand mm. um, and and you you immerse it in this kind of lovely glow of, you know, which is really just you. Kind success. Of success. And then people see the success and they go, wow, there's, you know, it's all around this name. You know, this name must mean something. And so people, and particularly advertising people, love to pay a lot of money for that. So... That's well, just between uh, you and uh, I, by the way. And the coffee had to be very good in the kitchen. Absolutely. And we also had um, fortune cookies, which are great. We can, oh, I remember. Yeah. So then what sort of uh, – what what role do you adopt for you to be able to transition out of that bigger business where – I mean, I, I, mm. from personal experience, you know, you end up crisis managing people far more than you actually get to create – Music and song, and mm. in my case, manage and pr mm. produce shows. Is what what do you have to to do in order to move yourself from that environment to pretty much where I, where you are now? Because mm. there is a there is a bit of is it solitude you yeah. you get? Uh, no, I don't know. It, the, look, the the somebody uh, put it very very well. Uh, this whole thing that you're talking about, which is that you start out um, with a skill set, uh, where you start out in business with skill, something that you do that you love and that you want to 
you know, and and it really propels you forward. And in my case, I love playing music and I love, you know, just mm. performing and doing all that kind of stuff. Um, and but as you as a business grows, uh, you have to start changing your skill set to become like managing people and you know doing the business part of the business and a lot less of the stuff that you got into it for. Mm. Um, I've um, always wanted to be um, a Renaissance man. Um, I've got too many interests, too many things. That, the things that stop you from being a Renaissance man. Oh, you want to play front row for St George after all, do you? Well, yeah, if I was big enough, I would. <laughs> they, they need all the help they can get. But um, Thanks. Uh, the, uh, you know, the thing is that um, uh, if I, and, and I've been fortunate enough, you know, to put myself into a position where I can, I can afford to be a Renaissance man. I can now go, I would love, just like Leonardo, I would love to paint. And I'd love to play some music whenever I feel like it. And then I would love to learn about the universe. And I would love to be a philosopher. And I would love to do... And all these kind of things which, you know, uh, don't earn anything. That's, so you have to at least have enough, you know, have gathered enough nuts mm. to be able so to do that. So this is the time issue, isn't it? You have the time now to do that. And, and when I not- go back to Gary Murphy's wisdom the most precious thing that I've got is time. So every minute that you spend, you make sure that you spend it obviously doing what, what you what want you to do. What you want to do, yeah. Mm. Wisely is in your own eyes, isn't it? Mm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Is, is there a... Is, I want to link this back into the world that you came from mm. a little bit. So as you've watched many, many other musicians reach the end of their life as a successful recording, performing player. Mm. And for some it's a very swift journey and for others it's it's a much longer um, point of no return, as it were, and you left it early. Is, mm. the, is, there, is, there, is there a kernel of advice that you'd, that you'd think covers people? Because men and women find it very difficult to leave that space and continue on to continue to grow. Well, you see, yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't left. I've never left music, and it, I, I can't imagine I ever will. Simply because it's something I love. But there's a difference, as we talked about before, between just sort of doing something you love because you you, you love it, and making money. Mm. Making money is, is in and of itself a whole game. So if you I, I've often said, and I know this sounds really crass, but this is what I've often said to a lot of musicians who come in and, uh, and used to work for me and so forth uh, and, and, and wanting to the, the, how to be successful. I'd go, well, um, you, can do, you can create a piece of art, which is fantastic, and we all want to create art, that's great, and you can make money. In the list, the priorities that you, you have... Uh, if you want to be successful, you make making money the number one priority. Mm. And number two is also making money, three, four, five, six, seven, and, and on it goes. Somewhere 10, past 10, you make art. Mm. Um, it doesn't mean you don't make art. You do everything you can to make art. But the number one priority is to make money. Um, if it isn't your number one priority, that's fine. Don't, then don't um, uh, be surprised 
if you're not making money, if you don't make it your number one focus. It, being in order to survive as a human being. It, well, if, if that's your job, if yeah. that's your job. Right now, uh, it's not my number one focus, so my number one focus is to make art. Right. Uh, and, and, and a fine job you do of it, by the way. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. What are your bandmates up to these days, the old bandmates? Where are they all? How old? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Those hushes. Oh, the hushes. Okay. Uh, Smiley and Keith are both in Bendigo. Oh. Uh, Smiley is a, an architect. Wow. Uh, but desperate to play drums. Um, uh, Keith <coughs> is uh, living above a shop. I think he works in the shop somehow. Uh, but he's sort of being cared for by the family that owns the shop. Is he troubled still? Well, he has to take medication, put it that way. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, Rick is now retired as a like an art director uh, person, but he's got a little band on the side which, you know, plays uh, weekends and so forth. But I think everybody is is um, keen to, you know, play. Music is just kind of what, what do, I'm doing. Do you still have the same white Fender Stratocaster? Um, my son has the same white Fender Stratocaster. He, he inherited it? He got it for his 21st birthday. You are yeah. such a generous man. Yes, and every time I say... Oh, you think Dad could maybe borrow it sometime? You know, <laughs> still yet to. Uh. Um, and then there's this strange band thing called the Dinosaurs. Mm. You better fill us in. Okay, so uh, Hush hadn't reformed for thirty years or whatever it was, um, and the reason why is Keith's uh, unwellness. Really, mm. it's uh, not for everyone's keen to do it, but we didn't. Uh, then Michael Gadinsky called up in 2006 and said, look, I'm doing a countdown spectacular and I'd like Hush to reform. And I said, mm, that'd be nice, but I said, no, you know, well, you want me to ask, but I'm not sure that that'll happen. Mm. Anyway, I asked and, and it did happen. Um, and it was very successful. Um, it, we, you know, we... we you sort killed, of, you yeah. killed, you killed, you yeah. killed. And in that I met a, a bunch of other people who I hadn't really known before and one of them was uh, Mark Gable from the Choir Boys um, who was as fascinated with us as I was with him. You know, he, he thought uh, when he first saw us rehearsing in Newcastle before the thing, he thought, oh, my God, this is going to be, oh, God, you know. And then when we came out and we, we did what we did, he's gone, oh, shit, <laughs> you know, wow, this is, you know, and then we became, uh, anyway, we became good mates after that. And I just sort of said, look, you know, maybe we should, we should get a band together and do, yeah, have fun, th do fun things or whatever. And, um, and he thought about it. And so he called up uh, Mark Evans, who was a bass player in ACDC, and Buzz and Mark said, "What about Buzz Bistrip playing drums?" I think maybe it was the other way around. Maybe we called Buzz first, Buzz from the Angels, and then Mark. Anyway, uh, we all got together and said, "Look, let's just play the stuff from our era. You know, there's all the things from that '70s period and the things that influenced us, um, and let's play tribute to uh, you know." the bands that we came from, the ACDCs and the Angels and the Hushes, sort of. You only want to play one song. Um, 
uh, and also then maybe we'll play some easy beats. Let's you know because we we love we all love the easy beats, you know, um, and we all and we love angry and we love rose tattoo. So let's do some of that. Let's do you know so all the stuff of our era um, and a few other things that influenced us. You know so maybe the odd Stones thing, and just have fun with it. You know we don't care. You know we just go out and just turn it up and just and go hard like we did in the old days. Anyway, we've done. We've done a few gigs, and every time we play, it, it, it does remind me a lot of Hush. Mark is very, very uh, good front man. I mean, he just walks out there and just owns whatever the audience is that's, that's out there. And we just have a hell of a good time. I mean, uh, we just turn the silly thing up. Uh, it's as loud as all get out, and uh, it rocks. It seriously rocks, and we all have a great time. So, yeah. See, this, the... The second half of this adult life of yours has been sp- spent actually acknowledging that you are a dinosaur. Absolutely, and we love it. We love it. Look, dinosaurs only got taken out by a comet. If it wasn't for that, they'd be still roaming around now. <laughs> uh, Uncle Les, I, I actually don't think you're a dinosaur, really. I, th- mm. I think you've had an extraordinary life. You've done, you've done great things. Thanks, Uncle. Congratulations. Pete. Les Gock. In the next episode of From the Inside... Peter speaks to a man who has been referred to as noisy, wild and cantankerous, but who is more committed and more passionate than nearly everyone else in their pursuit of a successful Australian music business. Tour promoter, Michael Chug. That's next time on From the Inside. From the Inside is recorded in the studios of Podcast One. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app.